as we go into the word today, uh, you know this whole month, it's our anniversary month. Um, every time I, I say the word anniversary in regards to this, I think of, do you know what today is? It's our anniversary. That old school song, I know, it's really old. Really, really old. Um, but I think about that. And uh, I'm so excited that God has given us the opportunity to celebrate a year together. And through this month, we focused on um, a theme. And the theme for this month, the theme is next level. Ready? That theme is next level. And we believe that we, uh, we are going to celebrate this month, what God has already done as we prepare for what he's going to do next. It's been a year of Radiate, and I am so grateful that God has started what he started, and I believe that God is going to do something so major next year as we get into year two. And I want to believe that not only for us as a community, as a body, but also for you as individuals. I believe that God is going to take you to the next level. So let's walk through what we've discussed so far, right? Week one, we talked about the setup, and we focused on David. And we talked about how David was doing things in the shadows, doing things by himself, doing things in silence before he stepped up to Goliath, right? Before he stepped up to Goliath, Goliath as a mighty warrior and was able to step up to the moment, there were things that God did with him to set him up to make sure that he would be ready when his moment comes. Last week, we, talked, uh, we jumped into a word called not for everybody. And not for everybody really said that while God wants for everyone to go to the next level, quite frankly, not everyone is going to go to the next level. The next stage is not for everyone. And we talked about Abraham and the things that he did to go to the next level with God and how he was able to, and we looked at four S's. I want you to go back and listen to our word from last week called Not For Everyone, if you missed it. The things that he had to do in order for God to be like, you are actually ready. I'm ready to fulfill the promise for you because you're showing me that you're ready and I'm ready to take you to the next place. Today, before we celebrate the next level next week, I want for us to focus on right here, right now. I said during worship there's a spirit of anticipation. Do you, do you remember before school, every year, before that first day of school, that level of excitement that you had? I don't know about y'all, but when we were growing up, we used to iron our clothes, make sure whatever the fresh kicks that we had, have them on the side of the bed. You would have your clothes on the hanger or laying out somewhere so they didn't get wrinkled. And you would be ready for that next day. Like the next day before school, if you had a fresh fit, it was like, I am so ready to go to school tomorrow and show everybody what I had. Now, for some of us growing up, we only had one fit, and then we went back to last year's clothes. But that's another discussion for another time. But, but, but like, there was a, a sense of anticipation that we had. And I had the opportunity to speak to someone else this week who's in a place of anticipation. And that person was just like, Lionel, like, I finally believe that I'm at the doorstep of where God wants me to be. So much so 
that if it doesn't happen soon, there's a possibility that God may be actually saying to me, this may not be for me, this thing that I'm chasing. But I'm so ready for God to move. I can feel him moving in different parts of my life, whether it's my relationships, my job, where I am in church. I can feel him moving, and I'm ready for God to take me to that next place, to that next level. How many of us feel like that? How many of us feel that we are on the cusp of something? It feels like we're almost there. Like we can touch the very thing that we know, the very place where God wants us to be. We can see it, but we're not there just yet. That brings us to the title of today's message, On the Cusp. You're almost there, but not there yet. Now, here's the thing about being on the cusp, right? When you're on the cusp, I want you to recognize you are in the in-between stage, right? When you're on the cusp of something, you've left something behind, and you're closing in on something else, but you're not there just yet. And I would actually want to, I want to bring before you that being on the cusp of something is the hardest place to be. Because again, there's this sense that, yo, I got this in the bag, like, I'm right there. But I'm not there yet. It's like that job that you wanted, you get the first interview, boom. You get the second interview. When that second interview call comes in, you go, Oh, shoot. Okay. And then when that third interview call comes in, you're like, all right, like, that's it. Like, three interviews. Like, they're not going to do this to me. I got this at the three interviews. And then after the third interview, what happens? What are you waiting for? You're waiting for the phone call. You're waiting for the, did you get it? Right? And, like, each day that you don't get the phone call, how is it like? Come on, man. Like, come on, man. Like, how they going to do this to me? I'm waiting for the job. Like, I know you like me. I know you like me. You told me, you told me that I was your number one candidate. Like, I knew. Come on. Like, just, just tell me I got the job already. My favorite part about getting a job is not getting the job, but it's actually finding out the salary. Like, that's my favorite part, right? But, like, you're on the cusp of something. It's not yours yet, though. This is where the people of Israel find themselves. They've left Egypt, the land of oppression, the land of suffering, the land of slavery that they were in, of captivity, of pain. And they knew that God was bringing them to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Bible says, a land that would go past even their wildest dreams. They can sense it. They can feel it. God had already done the craziest of crazy things. Remember, before this, they saw God part a sea, and they walked on dry land. They knew that God was going to do it. They knew what God was capable of, so they were ready for it. But the truth of the matter was they were still in the wilderness. They hadn't reached there yet. They were walking towards it, but they hadn't gotten there. They were on the cusp. We can learn some things from the people of Israel, something about being on the cusp. 
And there's something about being on the cusp that just throws us off. It's mind-blowing. We know that God is doing it, but we know we just didn't get there yet. What's up? Have you been there before? Are you there right now? Do you feel that? What I want for us to understand today is that there are things that can play out that if we're not careful, when we are on the cusp, if these things happen, they can leave us on the cusp forever and we'll never get to the promised land, to the next level. What's one of the things that we understand first and foremost as we study the text that Vanessa read before? This is the first thing I want you to understand. When we are on the cusp, what usually happens is we struggle with the waiting. We tussle with it. We take issue with it. We don't like the waiting. If you're reminded, I want you to remember, right, that the people of Israel were actually human beings like you and me. They were not historical characters or fictional characters, rather, that are written in a book in a story that never happened. They are actual people. They experience the same things that we experience, and they took issue with something that I think we all have taken issue with in the past. You ever been to that dope restaurant? Like the restaurant that your friends have been talking about? And it's like, all right, we're going to go. And the food is banging. The food is, I mean, the food is slamming. So you book your, res- your reservation weeks in advance because what do they say? If you don't book a reservation, you're not going to be able to go to this restaurant. So you book the reservation and you get all dolled up and dressed up because they say you got to have a dress code. So you have a dress code and you get all dressed up and you look in the mirror. You say, dang, I look good today. I look fly. So you go and you go to this restaurant and you finally go in and you sit down and the waiter greets you. And they take your order and you're like, oh, what do I want today? Do I want the rice and beans with the oxtail? Oh, man. Do I want the sautéed fish? Ooh, that looks good. Do I, oh, man, do, do I want the fried goat? Oh, man, that's the stuff that I eat, don't judge. Um, that, like, oh, this looks really, really good. So you place the order, and then 20 minutes passes by. No food. You kicking it, you with your people, you laughing, ha, ha, ha. You, 35 minutes pass by. 45 minutes pass by, and you, then you, oh, my God. You, you already drank your water. Your water's almost done. 60 minutes pass by. Now you're getting upset. You're looking for the waiter. We've been waiting for an hour. Where's our food? 75 minutes pass by. And then finally, 80 minutes later, they bring your food out. What happens when that food comes out? How do you feel? If you're like me, you don't even want the food no more. You just want to go home. Now, let me tell you something about my wife. If that was us, she would find a way for us to get a credit for that meal. Guarantee you 100%, right? And I respect it. I'm not brave enough to do that. I don't, I'm, I'm just going to be mad and go to my car. She'll do that, right? But, 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 but you're frustrated because you had to wait so long for that thing and you never got it. You see, the people of Israel had been waiting for so long for God to do the next thing but it wasn't happening fast enough for them. They left Egypt, they left oppression, they left the toiling, and now they're in this middle stage, this middle stage where they're they're headed to the promised land where God had finally promised for them to go, and it was only supposed to be an 11-day journey, but for whatever the reason, it took them a really long time. At first, what we understand is that it took them at least three months to get there. At least three months to get there. That's what we understand when we read the biblical text. 
The journey took longer than expected. Getting what they wanted took longer than they had hoped. Is that something that you have experienced? You see, we live in an age right now where everything that we want, we can get pretty much immediately. Remembering ordering sneakers back in the day? East Bay Magazine, you found your sneakers, you would jump on, you find it, you got a call, you place the order, or you have to write it on the card, send the card in with the information, you have to wait 7 to 14 days. Now if you want sneakers, if they sell those sneakers online, or if they sell them on Amazon, and you got Amazon Prime, you might be able to get exactly what you're looking for the next day. Same day shipping. There's nothing more glorious than shipping. When you see that same day under Amazon and it's under your prime, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. You start speaking, you do. You start dancing and shouting right then and there. Like, we don't wait for anything anymore. We are used to things coming to us immediately. And that's the issue. We become restless. We become anxious, we become impatient, and we want for God to do it. We want for God to take us there, and we want for God to do it what? Right here, right now. Listen to what the people of Israel begin to say. Ready? In the desert, the whole community, the people of Israel, told Moses and Aaron that they weren't happy with them. The Israelites said to them, we wish the Lord had put us to death in Egypt. Did you hear that? We wish the Lord had put us to death in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat. We ate all the food we, want, we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert. You must want this entire community to die of hunger. Then in Exodus chapter 17, the next chapter, this is what they say now. So they argued with Moses. They said, give us something to drink. Give us water to drink. Moses replied, why are you arguing with me? Why are you testing the Lord? But the people were thirsty for water there. So they told Moses they weren't happy with him again. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Did you want us, our children, and our livestock to die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and he said, what am I going to do with these people? They are almost ready to kill me by throwing stones at me. Y'all hear what happened? They were wandering through the desert, going towards the place that God had called them, and because they became uncomfortable, they took issue with him. Sure, they were hungry. We need, we need food to eat. They were thirsty. We need water to drink. But they became frustrated with the discomfort that was connected to being in that in-between stage, being on the cusp. Meaning this, listen, this is what the people of Israel are saying. Maybe you said this. God, if I'm uncomfortable, maybe that means you got something wrong. Hmm. God, if I feel discomfort, perhaps, Lord, you made a mistake. Perhaps you took me on the wrong journey. Walk with me and understand this. Ready? Say this to yourself. Expect discomfort. Expect discomfort. Expect that as God takes you to the next level, you will feel moments of disappointment, of frustration, and even some suffering and some pain. Discomfort doesn't mean that the destination is wrong. 
it actually means that you are closing in on your destination. Expect discomfort. When things get a little too close for comfort, a little too hairy, a little too draining, a little too exasperating, maybe even a little bit too painful, let me say this to you and let me say this to you clearly. Expect it. Be ready for it. Because it means that you're getting close. Say this with me. Expect discomfort. Say it with me. Expect discomfort. So, 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 so walk with me. Ready? We need to expect discomfort and be ready for that discomfort. Because if we're not ready for it and the discomfort begins to impact us and affect us, what happens next is that we start with the wishing and the wanting. You're paying attention to the W's here, right? Right? You saw that first, that first W. That first W was the waiting. The second W's are the wishing and the wanting. Let's dive back into the text to understand more of the perspective of the Israelites, right? So we, we already read this, right? In, in Exodus chapter 16, verse 2 and 3, we see that the Israelites are hungry. We see that they need something to eat. And they wish that they had died. We also see in Exodus chapter 17, verses 2 through 4, that they are thirsty. And again, they say, if this is what God wanted for us from the first place, like, why don't he just leave us to die in Egypt? Something interesting, though, happens when we read Exodus verse 32. Ready? Ready? Remember, they're walking through the wilderness. They're getting frustrated. They're wishing and wanting things because of the discomfort that they feel. So in, in, in Exodus chapter 32, what they end up doing is the Bible says that they ended up building a golden calf as a God for them to worship. And what they said was, we don't know what's going on with Moses. He went to go talk to God for a little bit, and we haven't seen him. Let's instead worship something else. And say that that's the thing that got us out of Israel. And God gets frustrated with them. And says, what are you doing? You've created this thing. You've sinned against me. Because you are worshiping something else. And giving it credit for what I have done in your life. Let's make sure that we have some takeaways. Ready? Understand, they wish that they had never left their situation. They wish that they had never left Egypt. And if we remember from our conversation from last week, while the journey is, 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 is available for everyone, I mean for anyone, it's not built for everyone. And what happens sometimes on the journey is we wish that God never took us here in the first place. The Israelites are actually saying out loud, God, why didn't you just kill us? Why did you let us go here in the first place? Why did you start this if we were going to be so uncomfortable, if there's going to be so much discomfort, if things were going to be so terrible, if things were going to be so bad, if we were going to be hungry, if we were going to be tired, if we weren't going to trust our leader, why did you bring us here in the first place? And that led them to a place of sin. They took matters into their own hands 
and developed an idea of who God was, this false God, this fake God, and gave him credit for what the real God had done. Hmm. Y'all, you know sometimes when God takes too long, we begin to question and we actually begin to say things like, you know what, actually, it wasn't God that got me here. It was me that got me here. I'm the reason why I'm right where I need to be. It was my hard work in my degree. I went to school for so many years. This is why I'm here. It's not God. I got so much experience in this field, and I'm about to land the perfect job. That's not God. That was all my hard work. No, I made that right decision at the right place at the right time. That wasn't God. Our sin shows up when our faithlessness leads us to make decisions that are outside of God's will. And we elevate other things higher than God and what he's wanted for us. We make us, we make relationships, we make our ability, we make our judgment, the thing that got us to the place. And therefore, we make it an idol instead of recognizing that without God, we wouldn't be here in the first place. And in fact, God is the reason why things are all messed up right here, right now. We wish and we want for things that don't align with God. And listen to this, ready? Wishing is a heart thing. Wishing for things outside of the will of God can lead us to a place of unnecessary feelings and desires. Don't get me wrong. It's a very human thing when we wish for something. I'm not telling us not to wish. Let me tell you, when you bump your toe against furniture, what do you say? I wish I didn't do that. Take it a step further. Who put the bed there? Why was that there in the first place? I wish it wasn't there. We've all done it, right? That's a very human experience. I don't want to take away from that. But when we allow ourselves to get stuck in the place of wishing, stuck in the place of wanting, stuck in the place of desiring, what ends up happening is that we increase the possibility for us to feel discontent, for us to feel envy, to be jealous, to be frustrated, to be disappointed, to be angry at God. And that increases the likelihood that I'm going to do something that's going to be wrong against God. And your journey to that next level has your period of waiting led you to a place of wishing, of wanting, of desiring that distorts the perception of the God that you know he is and what he wants to do for you and with you and in you. Instead of being like the people of Israel, let me tell you something. When you get to that place where the waiting feels like it's too long, align your heart with God. That's when you need to remind yourself I know why God has put me on this journey. I know what God has called me to. I know the place that God is leading me to. I know why I'm here. So even though things are stuck, even though things feel uncomfortable, God has called me for a reason and to a purpose, 
And in the midst of my waiting, in the midst of my discomfort, I'm not going to wish for something else outside of God's will. Instead, I'm just going to say, just like Jesus said, Lord, let your will be done. Remember, when Jesus was in the garden, he goes up to God with a wish and he says, Lord, if you wish, if you so see it, take this cup away from me. I don't want to go die on Calvary. I don't want to suffer this death. But he also says it's the end of that. But you know what, God, what's more important is your will be done in my life. He aligned himself with God's will. Some of us have a hard time aligning ourselves with God's will. And that's when we begin to wish and want. But let me tell you today, go before the Lord and say, even though I'm in this place right now, I choose to follow you. Even though I'm stuck in this road right now, I choose to allow for me to be taken to where you want me to go. I am going to do that. I am ready to do that. Align yourself instead of wanting and wishing. Wanting and wishing is dangerous because it takes us to this place. Ready? Listen here. Instead of walking, we wander. Instead of walking, we end up wandering. As we, see the, as we read the scripture, we see why the Israelites ended up wandering for so long before they get to that next level. They were complaining about the waiting. They wished for God. They wished for things outside of God's will. They worshiped the golden calf, an idol, as their escape and the reason for why they were no longer in Egypt instead of God. And despite all those things, you see, even though they messed up, God said, I'm still going to take you to the promised land. You know, there are times where we fall short and we do things wrong and God says, you know what, because I love you, I'm still going to take you there. God was still going to take them there, even though he was angry with them, even though they had done things against them. But let's take a look and understand what happens in Numbers chapter 13, verse 26 through 29. I'll read it really quickly. The men came back to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community. The people were at uh, Kadesh in the desert of Paran. The men, uh, there the men reported to Moses and Aaron and all the people. They showed them the fruit of the land. They visited Canaan, the promised land. They gave Moses the report and they said, We went into the land that you sent us to. It really does have plenty of milk and honey. Here's some fruit from the land. But... The people who live there are powerful. Their cities have high walls around them, and they are very large. We even saw members of the family line of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the, the Negev Desert. The Hittites, the Jesuvites, and the Amorites live in the, in the central hill country. The Canaanites live near the Mediterranean Sea. They also live among the Jordan. And I'm going to jump ahead to chapter 14 and read that as well. Right after they say this, this is what happens next. The night, that night, all the members of the community raised their voices. They wept out loud. The Israelites spoke against Moses and Aaron, and the whole community said to them, We wish we had died. Here we go again. We wish we had died in Egypt, even in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land? We're going to be killed by swords. Our enemies will capture our wives and our children. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Then they said to one another, We should choose a new leader. We should go back to Egypt. Let me point out what happens here, y'all. Ready? Listen. Their faithlessness bubbled up to the surface. They were literally looking at the promised land. And they sent people into the promised land so they can get an understanding of what God was going to do. What they were facing. And yet, 
what happens is their faithlessness when they see the people, when they see the obstacles that are there, they say, you know what? This wasn't meant for us to begin with. Let's go back. And at that point, God had enough. God says in Numbers 14, at the end of that chapter, he says, I lifted my hand and I promised to make this land your home. But now not all of you will enter in it. Caleb, Caleb will enter into it. So will Joshua. They are the only ones who will enter the land. You have said that your enemies would capture your children. But I will bring your children into, in, into and enjoy the land you have turned your backs on. As for you, you will die in the desert. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years. They will suffer because you were not faithful. They will suffer be until the last of your bodies lie here in the desert. For 40 years, you will suffer for your sins. Listen to what God is saying. Ready? Let me translate, up, translate that. Y'all, I've been setting you up. I set you up pretty. I walked you through, and you strayed further and further. And now, because of your lack of faith, I'm going to let you go. Because you have sinned against me. Your wandering has led you in the opposite direction of what I want for you. And this is where you're going to end up. Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me make sure you understand what I mean by wandering. Ready? Listen up. Walking with someone is when they walk hand in hand with you, when they're close by you. When you can continue to go together, joint together, towards a particular direction. However, wandering is when one person is going one way, and what happens is someone drifts off in another direction. When we choose to drift from God, guess what happens? He lets us do it. He lets us go through with that. And it will take us further off the path than we wanted, for longer than we wanted, and do more damage than we could have ever have wanted. Many times, the drifting happens in the in-between stage, on the cusp of breakthrough. And on, when we're about to get to the next level, it starts with feelings and then it leads to actions. Ready? It starts with feeling discontent, being unhappy with what God's doing. It starts with discouragement, feeling down and depressed about what's happening. It starts with disappointment, being like, oh, this is not going to happen. It starts with disliking, I hate what God is doing here. It starts with distraction, going towards other things instead of being with God. Let me tell you something. Listen to me. Listen, don't drift. Don't drift. Don't drift from God. Don't wander. Discontent can settle in. Discouragement may show up. Disappointments will happen. And there are going to be some things on the journey with God that you don't like. But remain connected to God. Keep him at the focus. Believe and have faith that he is going to see you through. And most importantly, let your actions be reflective of the belief that you had with God in the first place. We have to be a people of faith. A people who believe that God will do what he set out to do according to his riches and glory for his kingdom, for his people, and for your good. There's something interesting. I had the chance to go out with my family. We were on a lake for a couple of days, and 
you can see some boats on the water, and the boats are docked and they're tied down. There's something interesting about a boat. Naturally, a boat will drift when it's in the water. It just goes with the current. It goes with the flow. It moves with the current. It's just going to happen. You can't stop it. What stops the boat from drifting? What stops the boat from drifting is if it's anchored, if it's connected, if it's tied down, if it's tethered. That stops the, core of the boat from drifting. It has to remain connected to the shore, to its foundation. The people of God didn't believe anymore. The Israelites no longer believed in the promise and that disbelief was reflected in their actions. They were no longer connected to what God wanted for them. If you want to stay close, if you want to stay on the path and not drift, you have to remain connected, tethered, anchored. And faith keeps you, keeps you tethered. Believing in God in the in-between keeps you connected. He is still the God of promises. The God that will lift you up on, like an eagle, as the Bible says. The God that will supply all your needs, as Scripture says. The God that can do so much more than you even believe and you ask or think. So perhaps this morning as we end, you are right on the cusp in the in-between, and you see where God is taking you, but you haven't gotten there yet. Or you see what God is doing in, the, in your family, but it hasn't reached the point that you want for it to get to yet. Or you see what God is doing in your relationship, but it hasn't reached the point yet that you want it to reach. Or you see what God is doing in your community, or you see what God is doing in your church, and things are changing, but it hasn't gotten to the place just yet where you want it to get to. Let me say this to you today. Don't drift, be anchored, be tethered, be connected, have faith. The promised land isn't too far away. You're right there. God is going to do it. You just have to hold on. Hold on.